Side Hustle Show 181, SEO, affiliate marketing, self-publishing, Udemy, and more. This is 20 Questions with Nick. That's me. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. What's up, what's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. If you're joining me for the first time, this is the show that's about ideas, action, and results toward building job-free income streams. And you've actually caught me on a rare solo episode, just me behind the mic today in this special Friday edition of the program, going through the old mailbag, answering some listener questions. I mean, so one piece of advice you always hear is to turn questions into content. So here's a very meta example of that strategy in action. Always a wide variety of questions that are coming across my desk, but in this episode, we're talking about podcasting, SEO, self-publishing, Udemy, affiliate marketing, taxes, consulting, real estate, and a few random ones in there as well. Stick around to the end of the show to hear how you can get a free copy of my next book, and uh, let me know if you like this format. We can we can do it again sometime. I'm going to call it 20 Questions with Nick, uh, perhaps the start of a series. Notes and links are at sidehustlenation.com slash Q&A. Let's do it. All right. Question number one comes in from Jason. He says, how much vetting do you do of your guests? Sometimes when I hear stories of these young guys and their claims, I am skeptical. It doesn't happen too much on your show, but on other shows, it makes me feel this way. And I wonder how true they are. Uh, so Jason, I'm, I'm with you. Sometimes the stories are pretty remarkable, but I, I think that's what makes them compelling. I think the, the truth is most entrepreneurial success stories are outliers. Like, but there, there's always going to be something we can learn and apply to our own efforts. Now, as far as the vetting goes, I'm I'm not asking to verify tax returns or anything like that. And there, there have been a couple times where I think prospective guests have made themselves sound more successful than perhaps they really were. And there have been a handful of recordings that never saw the light of day. But if the guests have useful information to share, it doesn't really matter, to me at least, uh, how much or how little they're making. Question number two comes in from Roger. What happened to the public coaching experiment from last year? This, this kind of turned out to be a little bit of a bust. So in, in last year's member survey, so 2015 member survey, uh, subscribers voted for a few projects they'd like to see me tackle, and a public coaching experiment was one of them. So I collected uh, video applications and was actually really surprised by the response. I got, got more than 70 entries for this thing, ended up picking two candidates instead of just one, and from there we set out on a mission to to build some job-free income. So candidate number one was um, Wellington from New York, and he had an idea for a software business that was going to help construction contractors. That was his day job. Going to help construction contractors uh, accurately estimate jobs and and try and help them win more bids. And one of the episodes we did, we actually did a conference call with Dane Maxwell from the foundation to dive into Okay, what's it really going to take to make this happen and reach Wellington's goal of his stated goal of $2,500 a month? And Dane is the the go-to guy. He's the expert when it comes to building software businesses from scratch. And that episode actually took a turn I I didn't expect. But the feedback on it was still really encouraging. Honestly, it got it got a little weird. So you're, you're going to have to check it out to see what I mean. That was episode 119. I'll, I'll link it up in the show notes for this episode, but you can also access it at sidehustlenation.com slash uh, 119. Um, a few weeks after that, I got a note from Wellington explaining he was uh, burned out from working 60, 70 hours a week at his day job. It was negatively impacting his health. And he's like, hey, man, I got to put the the whole side hustle thing on uh, on hiatus for, for the time being. 
And that was kind of a very emotional email. I, I, I talked about when it's time to take a pause uh, from, yeah, I mean, we're, all, we're always in hustle mode, but hey, you know, every now and again, we got to take a step back. So I, talk, I talked about when it's time to take a pause in episode 127. Now, candidate number two was Catherine. I love Catherine. She is a hustler through and through. I, I think, and, and listeners loved her too. She was starting a gluten-free baked goods company uh, from her home kitchen in Portland, Oregon. And the, the running joke was, how Portland is that? Um, but she was out pounding the pavement, cold calling on local coffee shops, delivering samples, and she was actually making sales. She went from zero customers to having customers, which which was awesome. Then she started a new job, which at the time we we kind of viewed as a positive thing because her previous employment was, it sounded like not super stable and maybe the paycheck wasn't super reliable. But shortly after getting that new job, Catherine kind of fell off the grid and I didn't hear for her from her for months, uh, actually almost like nine months I didn't hear from her. And I finally got a note explaining that she too was working crazy hours and kind of had to table the the bakery business for uh, for the time being. And I think both of these are a testament to how truly difficult it is to build something on the side and how how awesome and inspiring you are for listening to this and for, and for trying. Because like, if you don't give it a shot, you, you obviously know what the outcome of that will be. So kind of the, the unspoken follow-up question is, hey, is the public coaching um, on the side hustle show going to be back sometime? I don't know. Maybe. Like, what do you, what do you think? So, um, is it worth picking it back up with a new victim, a new series? Um, you, you let me know in the comments for this episode, sidehustlenation.com slash Q and A. I was kind of bummed how the series turned out. Um, and I've actually shifted away, uh, from taking on many, you know, one on one coaching clients myself, which was one of the things the series was selfishly intended to promote. So, so I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be a huge priority for me, but if it was helpful for you to hear kind of the behind the scene, behind the scenes look into someone else's side hustle journey, let me know. And it's definitely something that I'll consider for, for content going forward. Question number three comes in from Jonas. Jonas asks, will you join my MLM? No, I'm I'm sorry. I've, I've got nothing inherently against network marketing in most cases. In fact, I think, well, there are some that I think are are not great business models, but I just got to prioritize my own thing. Like I'm not going to say it's not going to work out for you. In fact, I've seen some people do really, really well with it, but um, just not for me. Appreciate the invite. Hustle on. Uh, question number four comes from Annabelle. She says, I think I've created something that your followers would enjoy. It's an infographic on how to save $20,000 a year. Uh, let me know if this is something you'd be interested in, and I can send it your way to check it out. And I'm using Annabelle's question as a as an example, a template for uh, kind of this, this, is a, this is a new trend. Like if people are like, "Hey, I wrote this thing, I made this thing, um, it's awesome. I'd love to send it to you." And my response is is basically to not reply. But in my head, I'm thinking, why not just send the thing? Like whoever is teaching this method of outreach needs needs to stop. Like I I. I understand the information gap, like psychology behind it, but why, why force three emails when one would do? If it's, if it's something I'm interested in, I will click it. I will share it. I'm happy to do it. Like, don't, is that, to me, that's a weird game. All right. Question number five comes from Robert. She says, he says, I want to, uh, maybe interview other entrepreneurs and have them share how they started their business. What's your opinion on how to start that and get paid for that service? Um, so Robert, that is 
a really crowded space. Um, it's one, I mean, it's one that even the side hustle show plays in, but you've got big, big established players like Mixergy, uh, like Entrepreneur on Fire. And that's not to say it can't be done, but what I might do instead is to see if there's a specific niche or industry that you can go out there and dominate, like interviewing successful fitness entrepreneurs or real estate agents or restaurant owners or dentists, you know, something like that. How I'd start the show, I really relied on Pat Flynn's free video series at podcastingtutorial.com. That's, uh, that asset is a few years old now, so there may be some parts that uh, are a little bit outdated, but I think the bulk of it is still going to be relevant. John Lee Dumas also has a free resource at freepodcastcourse.com. I think uh, totally free, just email uh, sign up required for that one. Pat's no email opt-in required. Um, and if you want to look at the hardware and software setup for me, I've got uh, a post called How Much Does It Cost to Start a Podcast, which I'll link up in, in the show notes at sidehustlenation.com slash Q&A. Surprisingly, less than 100 bucks in my case. So the, the next the next part of that question was how to get paid for doing the show. And that's really the, the million-dollar question. Uh, of course, you can go the traditional sponsorship route. And uh, for more information on how to get started down that path, even without a huge audience, I think my conversation with Jason Zook is a good primer. That's episode 171, sidehustlenation.com slash 171. But what might be potentially more profitable at the beginning is to consider using the podcast as as a content marketing arm for your business. Like if you're a consultant targeting dental practices, like we talked about in episode 154 with Jonathan Stark, you're creating um, content, interviewing successful dentists might be a good way to get in front of that audience and establish your credibility and authority. Question six is from Joel. Joel says, hey, Nick, my name is Joel. I came across your site air quotes, sidehustlenation.com. And I had the opportunity to read your article called The Truth About Online Business, also in quotes. This was a well-written article. I actually write about these same topics that are covered on your blog. Would you please accept a guest post on one of those topics? I'd be more than happy to write one for you. Please let me know your thoughts. So Joel, um, like as you know, like scroll through the archives, like I'm always happy to host killer guest content. But he, he he's done more research than many guest post pictures. Like he actually used my first name. Um, but make it easy. Like, if you don't have that article written yet, like give me two or three proposed hooks to choose from. Like, you know what the, you know the type of content that does well on the site. You can, you can look how many social shares it has. You can look how many comments it has and, you know, create something that's awesome. And, you know, I'm happy to, happy to host it. Question number seven comes in from Jeremy. Jeremy says, how, uh, how would I get started as an affiliate and build a successful business? What I really think here is I think we need to reframe the question around, uh, what audience do you want to serve? Like, who do you want to help? But focus on building the best possible resource to solve a certain problem and trust that uh, the money will follow. One affiliate example I often point to is TripAdvisor. So TripAdvisor didn't set out to be to become an affiliate and, and build a website. They set out to build an authoritative brand in the travel space. And now they earn a ton of money from flight and travel bookings as as an affiliate, as one of their monetization uh, angles, one of their uh, one of their monetization channels, they solve a they solve a specific problem. Like, hey, with my limited travel budget, what are my best options? And then they found a way to monetize that. Um, there's there's a great episode by my friend, uh, or a great essay, I should say, by my friend Jeremy Palmer. I'm going to link up in the show notes called "Stop Building Affiliate Websites." And the subtext of that is a build a brand instead. Similar question came in from Neil. He says, "Hey, I'm trying to get my computer genius son involved in affiliate marketing. Is there a profitable program or product you can recommend?" 
And I really, so I advise Neil not to buy into anyone's program. Like you don't, you don't need it. Like most of them, I think I, I believe are selling, you know, some outdated strategy or some short term tactic and say, go back to that original question. Hey, what audience or industry can I serve? And how can I use affiliate relationships as a monetization strategy down the road? Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes. T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Question number eight comes in from Brian Kindle question. Hey, based on a sales price of uh, $199 to $299 and um, assuming moderate sales, not too many, not too few, he specifies, uh, any idea of what someone could hope to earn from, uh, from this, from this book? Just curious. So one cool tool, uh, Brian, to estimate Kindle earnings is my buddy Dave Chesson, who's on the, who's on the podcast last year. He's got a Kindle sales rank calculator. Um, on kindlepreneur.com. We'll link that up in the show notes as well. So basically what you do is you plug in the Amazon sales rank. You can plug in, you know, a, a competitor's book, see how many they're selling. You can plug it. Hey, I, I expect to be able to get to sales rank 50,000 or something. You plug that in and it's going to estimate how many copies th- that book is selling every day. So I plugged in a hundred thousand and it told me, Hey, that's, that's moving about one unit a day. So at a price point of 299, which is like a 70% royalty, you're making about two bucks a book. 60 bucks a month. Uh, a sales rank 50,000 uh, says it equates to five books a day or $300 a month. And a sales rank of 25,000 is 11 books a day or 66 or rather $660 a month. So you can see as, you know, as your portfolio builds of different titles, you know, this could be, uh, this could be a viable thing. 
or if you have a blockbuster hit. <laughs> um, question number nine, this, um, the, the from line on this email was the prolific hustler. So this is a guy calling himself the prolific hustler or girl. Um, he says, or she says, can, can I become a millionaire reselling? The answer to that is obviously yes. Like this is the same model that Amazon, that Target, that Walmart, like pretty much every store in the history of stores uses. They're all resellers. So, I mean, it's, it's buy something and sell it for a profit. Now, how fast you can scale depends on a few factors, right? Your ability to source profitable inventory, the amount of capital you can invest, um, how quickly and how quickly and effectively you can sell the inventory that you do acquire. So we've, we've done a ton of episodes on different reselling businesses, different reselling business models. Um, Ryan Finley from Recraigslist, um, the flea market flipper, Rob Stevenson, Travis Scott, and Asad Siddiqui uh, on their Amazon FBA clearance arbitrage businesses. And most recently, uh, Daryl Fitzpatrick was on talking about his eBay reselling business. It means all it's all about buy low, sell high. Absolutely, you can become a millionaire reselling. Question 10 comes from Kitty. She says, I want to start a real estate business, but I can't afford it to buy a rental property. What do I do? So one way to get started in real estate without a ton of money is wholesaling. Something we talked about a couple different times on um, on the show, and that's connecting buyers and sellers for usually distressed properties. So I talked to Jay Massey on uh, on this one in, um, in in a previous edition of the show, and basically this is like I'm trying to find a, a home seller who needs to get out, and then I'm going to tap into my network of of buyers and and trying to connect the two and and meet in the middle without putting any money uh, out of pocket or a very little amount out of pocket to secure the contract. Another alternative with lower startup costs than like a traditional uh, housing purchase is the is the raw land flipping business, which at least one guest has referred to as the best passive income model, the best passive income model in quotes. So how it works, you might be able to acquire parcels of land for like less than a thousand dollars and where are you going to be able to find a house for less than a thousand dollars and then so you resell those uh, for a profit um either you know cash deal or on an owner financing model where where buyers make monthly installment payments i've got a few episodes on the raw land flipping business we'll link that up in the show notes as well question 11 is from angelique who asks i'm trying to get my website to be a little more lucrative by adding AdSense on the Weebly web pages. It's been over 10 days and Google says it's approved, but nothing is showing up on my web pages. Um, so that's actually a good question. And you know, without access to your account, it's hard to say what's going on, but I've actually heard that AdSense has started not approving these free hosted websites like wordpress.com, blogger.com, wix.com, weebly.com. Now, if the site is on your own domain and hosting, I'm um, not really sure what's what's causing the delay. And, and one way to check is, you know, is there a Weebly.com in the URL? Like, is it your domain.com or is it your domain.weebly.com? Here's the thing. Like, even though you're going to pay a few bucks a month for hosting, you have you have so much more control and flexibility over your own site and a much more brandable presence. Like, if you, you know, if you go with your own domain name um, and tons of free WordPress themes, like I'm a WordPress fanboy, I get it, but I think it's well worth it to just have your own domain and not have to mess around with, with some of these other uh, platforms, even, even though they're, you know, they, they make a great sales pitch, they're easy to use and all that jazz, but I think long-term, um, they'll hurt you more than they'll help you, uh, unless you just need like a very, you know, straight like brochure or website for a consultancy or something. Uh, question 12 comes from Robbie. If you could only use three tools to build and run a successful SEO campaign, which three would you choose? It's an oddly specific question, but um, the, the three tools for me would be WordPress, 
the Yoast SEO plugin, which is free, and the Google Keyword Planner, which is also free. I'm definitely not the most sophisticated SEO strategist in the world. But for me, it all starts with content. And that's where WordPress comes in. So for each article I write, like I'm really trying to create the most helpful piece of content that exists on the subject, because ultimately, I believe that's what Google wants at the top of their search results. Um, for the exact keywords to use in my title and header tags in the post, that's what I'm using Google um, Keyword Planner for, to see which keywords and variations have the highest search volume. And then finally, I'm using that Yoast plugin, uh, which is Y-O-A-S-T, to optimize the, the title and, and meta tags around that post to just make sure the on-page optimization is, is in tip-top shape. Question 13 is from Stephanie. She says, one thing I've been wondering as I read about your different income streams is what's it like for you at tax time? How do you keep track of the earnings from the various channels? And do you have to report each activity separately? So I'm not sure if this is the smartest way to do this, but my main tracking system is an Excel spreadsheet that I've had, you know, for years and years and years, just add new, new rows basically as new payments come in or different, you know, different categories come in. Um, and I actually run everything through, through one California LLC, which I have, uh, elected to be taxed as an S Corp. So I have it set up that way because I read somewhere years ago that that was a, a way to save a little bit on self-employment tax if you earn over a certain amount. And then I, and then I pay my quarterly estimated taxes based on what I earned that quarter. So perhaps a tax pro can chime in on the comments and, and set me straight and Stephanie straight on that one. See what the best way, uh, to, to get that one done is. Question 14 comes from Sriyash, uh, who asks, can you send me a PDF of Will It Fly by Thomas McKnight? It will be very useful. Uh, Sriyash, I'm, I'm sure it will be very useful, but that's not my book. Uh, question 15 comes from Mario. A related question. Can you send me a copy of your book? He was looking for uh, Work Smarter, a copy of Work Smarter Plus. Uh, he kind of sent me his whole life story in this email. At least this was my book. So, you know, like, fine. I, hey, you know what? I gave away 20,000 copies of this book during the launch. What's one more? You, you seem like a nice guy. Here you go. And then he writes back and says, thanks. Uh, but then he doesn't really like reading on a computer screen. And can I send him a paperback to Croatia? Like, oh, sorry, dude. So <laughs> question 16 comes in from Alex. Actually, two-part question. So question 16 says, when companies email you offering to pay you to place a link in an article or a link on your site, do you go for it? And if you do, what's your minimum price? So Alex, I am uh, universally ignoring these as spam requests because, you know, selling links kind of sets yourself up for uh, a penalty in Google if somehow they ever found out about it. I don't know how they would, but I, I see this as kind of a short-term gain with with a big long-term risk. Now, if I sense that it's a it's an actual human sending this message and not some robot that's just like blanket spamming everybody. So, you know, so sometimes I'll respond and say, hey, yeah, I do. I do actually accept sponsored posts occasionally. I'll give them a rate, aim high, right? A thousand bucks and explain, hey, look, it's got to be disclosed that it's a sponsored post and the link is going to be no follow. And if they write back and are still interested, okay, let's let's make a deal. Like, let's create something that's a win-win. If I mean, that usually scares people off, so you don't have to worry about it. But um, I, I would be very hesitant to, to sell links in that way. And so question 17, also from Alex, says, hey, what do you do for your own SEO link building? I do help a reporter out and um, and I'm a guest on other podcasts. But other than that, I haven't been doing too much. What else What else do you do? And the answer for me lately is is not that much. I haven't done any guest posts in a really long time. 
Uh, podcast guesting that Alex mentioned is a really easy win. Like I'll gladly trade half an hour for a link. Uh, that's plus a relationship. I think that's way, way better than, you know, spending eight hours writing a, writing a blog post that, you know, may or may not uh, get, get very many visitors. The really the main focus for me on the SEO front is creating that, that best resource for the keywords, letting people know about it, and then kind of letting Google discover it as as an example, like this month's post on all the different sharing economy platforms took f- probably 40 plus hours to research and write, probably more than that. And it, it was a ton of effort, but like it's already starting to see some organic traffic from Google. And so that's my hope that it will be kind of a consistent performer. I really see that as being one of the pillar posts that help, you know, drive the site for, for hopefully years. Question 18 comes from Karen. She says, I created a paid online forum, a virtual mastermind group. The tech side of it is done. What I don't have yet are members. I know you run small mastermind groups of your own. How did you attract members? Uh, Do you have any tips on how I might go about it? I didn't want and I don't want to, quote, build a platform and set myself up as an expert or guru that folks cluster around. I don't want the forum to center around me. I share that sentiment with Tess Strand from episode 37. I want the forum to be about strangers helping strangers, forming a community around their common goals. Can you give me some tips? Of course, feel free to tell me that the whole idea is bad. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. So I think getting any sort of community started, free or paid, uh, is really tough at the beginning because because nobody wants to join a ghost town, and especially nobody wants to pay to join a ghost town. So so somebody's got to be in there kind of starting and prompting the conversations. And I've heard from forum owners, forum owners, they've actually had to create multiple accounts to give give new uh, new members the illusion of this place being a bustling community because like, oh, somebody posted this. Oh, somebody else replied to them. Okay, I'm going to stick around. When it was really just, you know, one person from different accounts. So, so probably what I do is seed the community with, with people from your own network because, and I'd probably give away like, Hey, free lifetime access. Hey, you're, you're in my inner circle. I'm starting this thing. It's going to be awesome, but I really need some help getting it off the ground. The other thing I see is, is most of the paid membership communities that I can think of, at least in the entrepreneurship space are really heavy into content marketing. So I'm thinking of like Chris Ducker and his youpreneur community, uh, Josh and Jill, um, with the, their screw you community, I think it's called, and the, their really active Facebook group, the screw you, <laughs> screw the nine to five, uh, Facebook community, a uh, very active group. And then like the guys over at Fizzle, like it's very content driven. And so it's the content that gets people's attention. And then the membership community lets people, you know, dive deeper, take, take it to the next step. Question 19 comes from Susan. She asks, what do you think about the new pricing strategy on Udemy? So um, a little bit of a background. Uh, at the beginning of April, Udemy made a big change to their online education marketplaces. They said, hey, courses are now going to be capped at a $50 price point and the maximum uh, we're ever going to discount is 50%. So before this change, you'd have courses for $200, $300, but Udemy and the instructors would send out promo codes to get them for like 90% off or like $10, sometimes even less. And it turned into a really weird platform because of these like, you know, pricing psychology and, and perceived value games. So since April, I've definitely seen a drop in Udemy earnings. There's no getting around that. Like I went from an average of $433 a month for the 14 months prior to the price changes to $166 for the last three months. So it got cut by more than half. And, and I'm still curious to see how this shakes out. Like I know, I, I know Udemy has seen a couple high profile instructors leave the platform, which 
which I actually think is a good illustration of using the marketplace to build some audience and some credibility and using it to kickstart or accelerate your own platform. Like there's always going to be some marketplace risk on third party sites like Facebook, like the Amazon, like iTunes, Udemy. And that's not to say don't use them. I say take advantage of them because they do have big audiences, but always be thinking of how you can bring people back into your own ecosystem that you have a little more control over. And question number 20 is actually my question uh, to you. Is there a topic you'd like to hear covered on the show? Is there a guest I absolutely need to have on? And uh, did you like the format of this show? We can do it again. Did, you know, basically, what can I do to serve you better in the coming months? I'd love you. I'd love if you could leave a comment. Let me know at sidehustlenation.com slash Q&A. And as a little incentive, I'd like to give everyone who comments a free advanced copy of my new book. Uh, I don't have a title for it yet, but it's something I'm working on this summer. I can tell you it's about the theme uh, of earning money through pre-existing marketplaces like Udemy we just talked about. Basically putting your buy buttons out there for people to do business with you where they're already doing business. So that's it. Leave a comment with your answer, sidehustlenation.com slash Q&A, and I'll shoot you over a copy when it's ready. In the meantime, I got to get writing. This thing has, has a long way to go before it's ready. We haven't done iTunes shouts in a long time, so I apologize for that. And I want to really take a moment to thank uh, everyone who's left an iTunes, iTunes review in the last few months. These are coming in uh, in the U.S. store. We're, we're closing in on 200 reviews in the U.S. store, which is absolutely awesome. So I want to thank Book Leverage RP. K0478, Phil LBC, Rafiq B, Anonymox, 1275272, Fanginator, Moms with Dreams, Erica, thank you, Rummy Man, a geek leader, that's John, thank you, Roger01, Voki5, Charlie H2O, Scott Carlson, Tony Brightwell, David Lawrence, Phillips, Jazzy Pink, thank you, Renee, Chaplin, Lisa, Mr. Delonso, Stephen Butala, and Aura Spark. Thank you guys so much. If you have gotten some value from the show and haven't had a chance to drop in a quick review yet. I'd love if you could take a minute just to do that. Uh, supposedly, it, it helps other people discover the fine program, so it's not just uh, an ego thing. So sidehustlenation.com slash iTunes is how you can get it done. And thank you so much for taking a minute to do that. Definitely means a lot to me. And just thank you so much for listening. Until next time, you know what to do. Let's go out there and make something happen, and I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to The Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.